Amen. You can grab a seat. If you have elementary age kids or below, we'd love to be a part of a way of happening with our Vine kids' time. Likewise, our middle school age, 5th, 6th, 7th, and 8th, we'd love to be a part of what we have going on uh, out there in our new back area. Uh, you know, so I'm always, I don't know why I'm always surprised, but I'm always surprised at just how many incredible, talented people God sort of has pressed into our little community, from people that just can sing or that have just incredible talents or abilities or just gifted, and it's just amazing to me. But one of those folks that's been a part of our community for some time that God has just incredibly just gifted and blessed us with is, is Mike Fox, and a lot of you guys may know Mike. Mike leads our Monday night men's Bible study, but Mike is also a, a, a full reverend and a doctor. He's got a Ph.D. He's like a real person, and he's a professor at Southwestern Christian University of Old Testament language and literature. He's one of only one, what, two people in the world that can translate Moabite. No, I'm just kidding. He, uh, but Mike is incredibly gifted and talented, and we have him right here in the middle of our, our community, and Brandon and I are always trying to figure out how to talk him into coming and sharing the word with us. And so we're excited this morning that Mike is going to come and open up the book of Proverbs for us this morning and share God's word. It's just one of those incredible people that God has placed in our community that has an unbelievable heart for the Lord and an unbelievable heart for God's word, which is right in sort of the central part of where we are uh, as, as a community. And so we're excited that Mike's going to come up and share with us this morning. Uh, and so let's give Mike a hand. And Mike, we'd love to have you, brother. Good morning. I was so relieved to come into the front door, and Treb handed me this thing eventually and said, uh, when you go up, I'll flip the switch. I was just, <laughs> thank you, God. I was not going to get that right. It's one switch, and I would mess it up. But good morning. Uh, what a privilege to talk about Proverbs chapter 3 with you. Uh, if you want, let's open our Bibles to Proverbs 3, and then uh, we will pray and uh, we'll have our Bibles ready, and we can, we can jump right in. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much um, for a time of worship that we have this place and we can come and we can pray and fellowship and greet each other and encourage each other and sing together and then open the word and feast on your revelation that you've given us. Thank you that we have uh, this place that you have created called the vine. Thank you for it today. And I do pray that as we read Proverbs, Lord, um, that you will just speak to us from your word. I have nothing fancy to say about it, but I pray that you and your Holy Spirit will help us read it best. And see what you revealed about yourself. Way over 2,000 years ago, you gave us this revelation about yourself. And Lord, each of us, uh, we just take a moment in silence to ask that you will open our hearts to receive the word. And Heavenly Father, we are part of a community here, and we take just a moment in silence to pray for someone around us, or perhaps just someone else you put on our hearts right now. And Father, I am sure, and we are sure, that you gave us Proverbs so that we could walk wisely, that we could walk better than we are. And I pray as we read this text that your spirit will change our hearts and our minds so that we see something new about you, God. Something old that's always been there, but something maybe we haven't quite seen ourselves. 
and that we walk more wisely because of what you've revealed in this text. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So if you're in Proverbs 3, let's just start in verse 1, and we will end in verse 6. And one of these verses, or a couple, you probably know very well, but man, they sure are rewarding. The more you dig into them, the more you um, give them time. So verse 1, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments for length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your paths straight. Very simple passage. Um, oftentimes, Proverbs is very specific. Our men's Bible study on Monday nights, for instance, just finished reading through Proverbs. It took us close to a year. Uh, man, it was good. It was good to come in, and I would prepare a little something and just to get us into the word, and we would go through and make observations, and we would just give it the secret ingredient that Proverbs needs, time. These, these verses in Proverbs, uh, the secret ingredient is time. They're wisdom sayings. They're meant to instruct us in how to live best and better than we are, uh, even to the point where we can go out and be a source of wisdom to other people. And uh, God, let it be so. But uh, we spent a year going through this. And sometimes the, the Proverbs, these instructions, these uh, lengthy instructions like we're reading, or sometimes just one verse is a complete proverb, they can get very specific, right? So chapter 5, the whole chapter is about love and intimacy. It's about creating boundaries. It's uh, about celebrating uh, love and intimacy within the boundaries God has given you while drawing boundaries of where you're not going to go. It, it just the whole thing's about love, intimacy, man, woman, within a marriage. That's very specific. Some chapters that we saw, uh, whole chapters or whole instructions on, for in instance, um, debt. Very specific subject. Um, sore subject for me, but very specific subject. Uh, when you're in debt to this person, do everything you can. To go, you know, sell this, sell that, go, plead, beg, get out of that debt, get out of that power, uh, and then do this while you're doing that, go here. Just several instructions on what to do, how to work, how to plan to get out of debt. So Proverbs is like that. It can get very specific, but what we read is very uh, uh, general, right? Opposite of specific. Um, very general. It starts with, my son, do not forget my teaching. Do this, do this, do this, and by the end it's saying, and, and you do these things, and God is going to direct your paths. So wherever your paths are going, God is going to, my Bible said, make your paths straight. So if, you know, the car's veering this lane, that lane, he's going to straighten out a path if you do these things. But it's very general. It's very general. And I didn't mean for this to be a um, New Year's sermon. But it kind of is. And uh, I have now been to seminary and, as you said, doctoral work. So I have all these preacher friends, and, of course, they're all on social media. And they were all talking about the last couple of days how they're excited. Because last week they talked about baby Jesus. And this week they're talking about exalted Jesus. And I was like, ooh, I didn't know I was supposed to do that. Dang. So I forgot. But then I remembered I go to the Vine, and we don't know about that stuff anyway. The precedent is there, so it's cool. Liturgical calendar, not such a binding thing. So I did stumble into accidentally what I think is a cool New Year's verse. Uh, because I don't know what 2019 was like for you. I'm at a time where sometimes it, it, it was moving very slowly. And 
then sometime, I'm an educator, so like uh, May through August, it, man, it was, it was full 90 or nothing, right? Uh, May got here, and I said, you know, I, I've only got eight things to do before I get back in August and start teaching again all the time in the world, and then August came, and I had binge-watched TV instead of any of that stuff. So anyway, but, but, you know, I don't know what 2019 was like for you. I bet it had its high times. Um, I bet it had its low times, and I bet it had some just stable, regular times, um, which I'm learning are kind of the best times. But 2020 is right around the corner, isn't it? Like, I'm no math genius, not my subject matter, but it's like this week, I think, right? So this is a cool verse because, or passage, because it reorients us. It reorients us. It helps us think about our path, that there's a God and he's ready and willing to shape our path. He's ready and willing to shape it for us. But he gives us some responsibility to do. He gives us some things to work on. So one question that we can ask from this text, and as we think about this new year that's, that's coming up, is what is your path? Where is your path going? If you're like me, you sometimes reflect what supposed to be doing. And I'm going to make a bold is going to be what it should be. Right? Now, that's kind of bold, but hey, that's, if nothing else, I can hand you that. Now, it may not be what we expect or want that answer to be, but we'll see. Now, this text we can break down into three kind of sections. The first couple of verses go together. Three and four go together, and five and six go together. So it really, it really flows well. So let's just start at the beginning. First couple of verses say, My son, do not forget my teaching. Let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace, they will add to you. Now, again, that's very uh, general, right? You just be obedient. In fact, let your heart be obedient, right? And if you do that, then your days will lengthen out. Your days will, will expand. And on top of that, you'll have peace or wholeness, um, a Hebrew word we're all familiar with probably, shalom. You'll just have this goodness and this wholeness and this peace that characterizes your life. Now, Proverbs is cool, uh, well, for a number of reasons. But one reason it's cool, it shows me that some 2,500 plus years ago, people were worried about the same things that we are. See, in my mind, I think, man, we are worse than ever. People back then, they just that's actually not the case, especially when you read the Old Testament. You see that human beings have kind of always struggled with the, the same things. Let me show you what I mean. If I were to put these things in the right order, um, most of the time I would start with verse 2. Length of days, years of life, and peace, wholeness they will add to you. I would wager that's something most of us want, right? We want a life that's characterized uh, by fullness and peace, the absence of chaos, and just this wholeness. And, uh, I mean, I have those goals. I try to plan for those goals. Proverbs encourages us to think about those kind of goals, making our life best, making our life well, making our life just wholesome, uh, security even. I mean, these are things, these are, these are good goals, Right? Proverbs has a lot to say about that. Proverbs talks about finances. I don't like it. It always convicts me, but it does. Proverbs talks about, believe it or not, investing. Proverbs talks about work. It talks about planning. It talks about stability. It talks about all these things as though they're good goals. And yet here I read that, and in the first couple of verses, that comes second. See, here's, here's how this stuff convicts me. I find myself, 
and you don't have to raise your hand or anything, but, but just think if you do this too. I find myself looking at my life and planning and thinking and sometimes even being consumed with making it this wholesome, peaceful, planned out, secure, financially sound thing. That's what I want. Length of days, right? It's a really cool way that Proverbs puts it. Um, And I realize different translations put it different ways. NASB, very literal. It just goes right with the awkward Hebrew length of days. I love it. Length of days, years of life, and peace they will add to you. And while I'm thinking about these things, I also want to add on, and I want to be obedient to God, right? Most of us are here because we have similar concerns. We want, you're here, uh, not just so I can talk about Proverbs financial advice. You want to know God, and you want to be obedient to God. My problem is I switch the order, and Proverbs reorients me back to the right way of thinking, See, I want to live in such a way and structure my life that it's going and it's going to end up well and good and whole and secure and peaceful. And while I'm doing that, I want to follow God. But that's not what it says here. It says, my son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. And then it gets to the extra thing, right? For, or then, length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. I guess 2,500 plus years ago, they had the same problems we do, right? They get disoriented in what comes first and what comes second. And this is really convicting for me because it says, wait, wait, slow down. You're unbalanced again. Yes, those are important goals, and yes, Proverbs has a lot to say about it, but, but first, how is your heart? Did you catch that word? Let your heart keep my commandments. See, in the Old Testament, heart is kind of like heart in our language, English. It's not just an organ in your body, right? Um, in our culture, if I say I have a heart for someone, uh, or this or that or how's your heart we, we're not just talking about the organ that pumps blood throughout our body although that's important we're talking about something deeper right the same goes in the old testament when it mentions the heart it's not just talking about this organ in your body it's and a lot of translations will translate it mind which is really good it's really good translation of the simple hebrew word lev, just your mind this inner part of you that's directing you, that's sort of steering the ship, your heart. This part of you that, that, that tells you what's important in your life and what's not, what your priority are, priorities are and what they're not, that's your heart in the Old Testament. And instead of starting with all the brain stuff that I would start with, well, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to check on this, it says, no, 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 my son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. You see, the text forces the reader to still be concerned about some of those things, right? All those things. But it moves the pieces around and gets them in the right order and says, what about your heart? Do you have a heart? For obedience. See that? Is your heart for obeying God? Do you treasure the things of God, the, the, the wisdom that God provides, and the commandments that are available to us? Do you treasure them in your heart? And in the odd twist that the Bible often does, when you do that in a very general way, 
verse 2, for then length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. You see, most of the time uh, we just get these things out of order and, and that doesn't work. We can't prioritize us and God. When we start prioritizing ourselves, we become the main thing, and then we can't walk right with God, and then everything begins to break down. We can't walk right with our neighbor. But if you have a heart for obedience, if you treasure it in your heart, well, then your life will be something that produces, verse 2, length of days and years of life and peace, they, the commandments, will add to you. Now, we got to be careful. It doesn't say that when someone's going through a hard time, then they must be disobedient. It doesn't say that. Don't say that. Not what it says. In fact, the Bible shows us oftentimes um, it's the very opposite. Sometimes in the Bible, the most obedient people go through the hardest stuff, right? You say, well, that's not true. That's not, well, read Job and explain it to me. Because God says in chapter 1, this guy, dumb devil, he doesn't call him dumb, but he, and he calls him Satan. So this guy, dumb devil, is the best guy out there. And the devil's like, no, no, only, and then this thing starts off. But you get what I'm saying. Job shows us an exception, a, a, a really good, obedient, wise, godly man who, quote, fears the Lord, like Proverbs says, he goes through some awful stuff. Dedicated men like Jeremiah go through some awful stuff. Best guy in the Bible. You've heard of him. Jesus went through some tough, hard stuff. So don't, don't do the opposite of what I'm saying. Don't, well, then if I see someone suffering, then that might, well, no, don't do that. It may, maybe they sin greatly, right? Maybe they're going through something awful because they sin greatly, and boldly, and purposefully, but maybe they didn't, right? That's the domain of God. We'll let him handle that. You and I, we can't handle that. And quite frankly, when you're hurting and I'm hurting, and it's nothing we've done, then we don't want other people advising us, right, to repent. It's saying you need to prioritize God and trust that he'll add the things that he deems need to be there. And we need God to reorient us because in my mind, length of days, years of life and peace, I think if I draw out what my life will look like, these good things won't even be the top things. I'll want financial security, some kind of success that means I, I have structure and security, maybe even a legacy. I don't know. I'm definitely not on a path of, of a legacy. But that's the point, right? God knows the good things. He knows the good things. It's right for us to give our hearts to obeying the things of God. Verse 3 goes to the next section. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart again. So that you will find favor and a good reputation in the sight of God and man. Same thing as the first section, right? Good reputation and favor with your neighbor, with man, and with God. Most of us want that, right? Now, I understand we're Christians, and there's a certain, there's a certain like, no, 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 we just, you know, I don't need the favor of man. I, I don't need that. I, I just need God. I understand that. There's a certain extent to which Christians are, we're trying to get it to a mature point where we don't need uh, the favor of human beings, right? But Proverbs also shapes that correctly. It says, wait, wait, your legacy is still important. You got to focus on it. You're leaving a legacy of some kind. It's still important. You just have to put it in the right place. 
right? Now, I would do the same thing with this second section that I would do the first. I would look at my life and say, you know what? Reputation, that's important. Legacy, what you're leaving behind. Favor with your neighbor, favor with, with God. These are important things. But once again, the text says, nope, wait, that comes second. That's God's business to add that. It starts with verse 3. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then it says, so you will find favor and good reputation in the sight of God and man. What God wants us to do is not only like in the first section, not only to have a heart for obedience, but as we reorient ourselves back to the right path, God wants you and me to have a heart for others. Do you see that? I want you to have a heart for others. Now, my Bible said, do not let kindness and truth leave you. Some say, do not let love and faithfulness leave you. I would translate it something like, do not let mercy and truth leave you. Hebrew is a weird language where words can mean a lot of different things. Like you've probably heard in, in this before. Someone has, in some sermon or some Sunday school lesson has said, in Hebrew, the same word for, for hear or listen is the same word for obey. Have you heard that before? Um, it's true. No one heard that before, so that fell flat. But it's true, okay? There's a word, Shema. Jews still say it in the synagogue, Shema Yisrael. Hear, O Israel. The same word here means obey. It's just Hebrew. You have a lot of that here, so translations look different. But the first word there in verse 3, do not let, my Bible says kindness. Some of your Bibles say probably love. That's because this, this, this word, hesed, can mean all these things. You can't pin it down with one word. Some of you know more than one language, okay? I've forgotten more than one language myself, all right? But that's just the way languages work. Sometimes you can't capture everything in, in, as you're trying to move it to its target language. And it's certainly the case with hesed. Hesed is this word that it can mean faithfulness or, or love or mercy or loyalty. And it has all those connotative meanings usually. But in a general sense, when you just throw it out by itself, it's talking about this loyal mercy that you have towards someone, even if they don't have it back to you. God does this all the time. When you read through the prophets, those guys are mean, okay? Total meaning. Because they point and say, that's sin, and here's how we know it's sin. There's the law, you're breaking that, and you're, you're getting kicked out of the land. And, and, and you, there's no nice way to do that, right? There's no dancing around making that sound nice. But they always hand good news to their audience, too. They always talk about how God still has mercy or hesed. Even while they're being unfaithful and God has to judge them. He's still going to, at the right time, show his mercies and his love. Total God move, right? To spank us and love us and bring us back to himself. And that's what Proverbs says we should do. Do not let love or mercy or kindness and truth, some of your Bibles say faithfulness. Weird language, the same word can mean both of those things. Faithfulness and truth. Truth and faithfulness. Those ideas are connected. Don't let mercy and truth. Don't let them leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So that you will find favor and good reputation. In the sight of God. See, it's just so hard to talk about this because it's so convicting. Oftentimes, 
I worry about the second part. And I understand. And some of you understand exactly what I'm saying. You have to, my, the, the worst thing in my life is I have to keep an updated CV. Uh, I just want to throw it away and never worry about making a resume again. When teachers do it, it's called their CV, and it's this big brag sheet, and it needs to be like seven pages, and I'm just, ugh. But if you don't update it, then the school doesn't have it on file, and they can't show accreditors that you're doing this. And there's all these reasons that my superiors have told me you have to keep doing this. It's just, ugh. I understand. The whole system says, no, 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 focus on your reputation. <laughs> focus on your honors. Focus on yourself. I get it. You know exactly what I'm talking about. You have to network. You have to have a good reputation. You have to keep your good reputation. And all these things are good. Here's the weird thing about Proverbs. These things are good things to do if you can push them down and keep them in their right place. In verses 3 and 4, I can do this math. Four comes after three, right? Four comes after three. You see, I would focus on the second part when God says, no, 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 no. I got your reputation and your favor. I'll take care of how people see you. You don't know how to do that. You once again work on your heart. Not only are you a person, or not only does it ask us, are you a person who's obedient? Do you have a heart for obedience, first two verses? But here, do you just have a heart for other people? Mercy and truth. Is that what you want to give other people? Do you want to hand them the truth that we have as Christians? And at the same time, show mercy to them. When you have a heart for others, this is very freeing because it tells me I don't have to waste energy and, and lend myself to anxieties about any standing, any reputation, any of that stuff. I can leave that in God's hands. And that's very freeing for me. A heart for obedience, a heart for others and as we move into the new year the third one oh this is the one that really kicks me in the chest the third section verses five and six trust in the lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. The same word again, heart. Trust him with your heart. With the inner part of you that, that, that determines your priorities. That shapes how you walk. What's important to you. How you live. Your mind, how you regard things with the inner part of you. Trust him. Trust him. Don't lean on your own understanding. Common theme in Proverbs. Don't lean on your own understanding. There's a sense in which wise people are the ones who know the most stuff, right? And then in Proverbs, there's a next level ninja, you know, samurai level to that where, where wise people are the ones who actually realize, I don't know anything, right? Like I learned all the stuff and, and it turns out I didn't know anything. When you find that person, go to them. <laughs> Seek their wisdom because you'll get it. There's a sense in which, in which wise people understand that God is infinite and, and we're the, the opposite of that. Finite. 
trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. Wise people say, good, I don't have any. It's dummies like me who try to lean on our own understanding. Verse 6, in all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. Now, the word acknowledge, and some of your Bibles have words like in all your ways submit to him, acknowledge him. I don't know why Bibles do this. It's a real simple word. It's just no. In all your ways and all the little paths that you go this way, you go that way, you go to the store, you go to work, you go down the street. In their culture, you take your sheep around this hill, you walk over to this city. All your ways, know him. All your ways, know him. And he will make your paths straight. This is the one that hurts. Oh, it hurts. I said this is accidentally a good New Year's text because it draws us back to reorient our minds and, and, and our priorities. And it makes us answer, answer this question, are you on the right path? I spend so much time Wondering about my path. Am I at the right place? Am I doing the right thing here? Is this strategy the best one here? I worry myself sick over it. I don't go to the doctor very often. But when I do, they always try to give me insomnia medicine. <laughs> they always ask me about my sleeping and all that. Well, I, you know, two hours a night, I got it. Well, you need, no, 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 trust me. I don't need any of that stuff in my body. Been there, done that. Trust me. But that's testimony stuff. I just worry myself sick over it. My path. And I bet from time to time you think about these things, don't you? Am I doing the right thing? Am I where I'm supposed to be? And even if you are, am I doing it right? Are we going in the right direction? All that does is make me neurotic. All that does is, in, in, instead of me coming up with some solution, and I have peace, and I sleep nine hours, that never happens. Instead, I make more coffee, and I stay up later, and I discover shows that are on at 3 a.m., and like I didn't know they made cartoons like this anymore, and weird things like that. And while I'm trying to plan my future and my path and asking these questions and planning it out perfectly in my mind, I'm also trying to attach the Lego to this thing called knowing God. And that is as stupid as stupid can possibly be. To know that the best thing we can do for ourselves and the right thing is to know God and then to make everything else the important thing and just stick that onto our plans. But it doesn't work that way. Verse 5 says, your duty, the command... The imperative is to trust the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways, know him. Trust him. Don't trust your own plans. <laughs> Do not lean on your own understanding. And in all your ways... Know him. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And then he, listen, he, verse 6, he will make your paths straight. Oh, that's what I need at 3 a.m. when I'm up. I need to know and remember that there's a God of the path. 
Oh, and it's better than that. It's plural. It's paths. I'll get back to that in a minute. Now, there is a connective tissue in these three sections. We don't need to miss it. There's a, a, a connective tissue in the first two verses, the next two verses, and the last two verses. And it's the word heart. Did you catch that? The word heart. Put these commandments in your heart. Kindness and truth. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Trusting the Lord. Do that with all your heart. Obey. Love others. Trust God and know him with all your heart. Heart, heart, heart. Now, I can be a dense person, and maybe some of you guys are like this too. Maybe it takes me two, three times to get it. But at some point, you look at these six verses, and the two before hits you enough times, you see it. Heart, right? Dong! Heart. I get it now. Heart. The text is trying to tell us to quit being the God of our own lives because we cannot pull that off. We take good things, good things like, like peace and a, a wholesome life, good things like a reputation, good things like planning out our path, and we shape them, and we form them, and we make an idol out of it. And it's the dumbest thing that we do, but we're humans, and we do it. And Calvin was right when he wrote in his theology that our minds are like these factories. Someone's pulling a lever, and we just keep generating idols. New idol. New idol. It's what we do. Why what we need is a reorientation back to the, 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 the right way. We need to be reoriented back to what's best because we get disoriented. Have you ever been disoriented? Have you ever been somewhere and you lost your way and you had no idea where you were? Well, that makes one of us, so <laughs> no help there. So I grew up in the Washita Mountains, central Arkansas, and uh, my little family didn't have a lot. We had a cabin. We had a lot of trees, and uh, that's about it. Oh, but we were in the Washita National Forest. So my backyard, uh, I don't know where our actual boundary marker was, but it was like a third of the state of Arkansas as far as I was concerned. Mountains and creeks. And uh, my brother, um, he and I knew that land like the back of our hand. That was our back. That's all we had to do. Some of you remember those dark days before gaming consoles or human beings owning computers, right? Corporations had those. We didn't. Before cell phones, right? I have a vague memory. I remember seeing Saved by the Bell and Zach, the blonde dude, had a mobile phone that was that big. Do you remember that? He's always calling out the girls on that. And I didn't know what that was. It was, it was uh, I don't know why I'm talking about that. Oh, yeah. So I, I predate that stuff, all right? And some of you do, too. I won't point, but some of you do. I can tell, okay? So we did this stuff like play in the woods. And we had the Washita National Forest. And we knew it. Oh, we knew the creeks and the trees. There are trees. We just, you know, you spend 18 years growing up out there. There are trees that feel like friends. In fact, some of the best friends. Now that sounds weird. Don't say that. I really like a lot of those trees. <laughs> One time my brother and I, and he's passed. Brady passed about 10 years ago. Uh, and I miss him. Oh, but we just grew up in those woods. And one time we just really loaded up our backpacks and water bottles and we pushed way out there. Way out there. We were going to see some areas we had never seen before. And we got so out in the hills and in the mountains. And the next thing you know, the sun's going down and we look around and I say, Brady, where are we? And Brady says, uh, I was kind of hoping you knew that. And uh, we were lost for a day out in those woods. 
Here's the funny thing about being a kid. You mess up like that, you come out of the woods several miles away, you hike and you hitchhike home, and you've already been through trauma and literally to hell and back, and you still get a spanking for it, right? <laughs> totally unnecessary, but I did. But I remember being just disoriented. I didn't use the word back then. I probably didn't know the word. I probably didn't care about the word. But I was lost. Lost in the Washita National Forest. Anything could happen. Banjos could start. No, that, that, that didn't happen. Anything. And that's how we Christians get sometimes. We just get so far out there. And we do it mentally, don't we? We start the planning. Uh, we, we start worrying about this. We have all these good things, but then instead of putting them in the right place, we start to shape them and give them a form. And the next thing you know, they are these stone-like idols sitting around us, and we've, we've lost our way. We just lost it. We need to be reoriented back to the right way. Can I show you something? Oh, I brought something cool. I didn't know I wanted this until I got it. Then I was like, that's what I was needing. Oh, my parents sent this to me for Christmas. It's a compass. And it's really cool. And it says, Dr. Fox, right here on the, um, I don't know what that's called. I just realized that. But right there, it says Dr. Fox. I don't know if they remembered that story when they sent this to me for Christmas. Man, this is cool. This is going right in my office. It's going to sit there, and I'm going to look at it, and I'm going to remember what an idiot I can be, and I'm going to set aside all my idols, and, and, and Lord willing, that won't become an idol, although it's really cool, and I want to play with it right now. Lord willing, I can look at that and remember how prone I am to just wander and stray, and it will remind me that what God is waiting for me to work on is my heart. Let me finish like this. I told you a few minutes ago, I realize that's a stretch, a little while ago, I told you, I could tell you how to know what your path is supposed to be. I said that. And I can tell you right now, I know exactly what your path should be. Your path, your priority, where it's all going, should be your heart. You should cultivate the right heart. Now, that doesn't mean never plan. It doesn't mean never think ahead. It doesn't mean never, I'm out of words, plan, think ahead. Don't do those things. It does mean push them down. Don't let them take on that stone shape that they always try to take on. Don't, don't let them do that. Don't let them become idols. Instead, you keep them where they're supposed to be and you start with your heart. Now, it's way more involved with this than, than, than this. The Bible says so much about the heart from start to finish, how, how broken our hearts are, but how the Spirit leads us. Oh, gives us examples like King David when, when Israel had his first king, Saul, and he just didn't have a heart for God. 1 Samuel 16, God sends a prophet, Samuel, to a village, and, and, and lo and behold, there's a shepherd boy out there named David who, who, who had a heart for God, and Samuel was looking at all these people that might be the next king, and God says in the text, stop it. God says, don't look at their outward appearance. God says, I look at the heart. The heart.
Trust the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding in all your ways. Know him. He will make your paths straight. What I want to do is shape my path. And while I'm doing it, maintain this relationship with God. Which is called what? Faith. <laughs> it's called faith. This, this, this passage for me has become like a compass. It just, it's something I can, I can read and pray about and it reorients me back to the right place. I started being a professor and God shifted my ministry. I was a church minister and I went to people and I tried to get their wisdom and then I'm a professor and suddenly there's knock, knock, knock on my door and people come in and they're neurotic and they're 18 or they're 19 and they're freaking out and they know they're not good enough and I'm like, ah, I can't help you. I'm you, but bigger, okay? I'm just you down the road. But one thing I've learned to hand people is to just open up this text and say, whoa, whoa, calm down. Everything's out of whack. It's all out of whack. And just remind 18, 19-year-olds, you just work on your heart. Now, they don't believe me, and that's okay. It's not what they were looking for. They wanted to know exactly how to, to pray or claim this and just make it all. It, it doesn't work that way because God's not an idol not about us getting everything we want and just soaking it out of God. It's about knowing him, which is actually better, which is actually true, and which is actually the right path. So, today, this week, one of these days is January 1st. I don't know which one. Maybe it's Wednesday, though. I should know that. Telling you, I'm one of them, but down the road, okay? I'm just, I'm a little bigger than, but this week, it's a good time to think about 2020, okay? Right? I'm going to think about it. I will not make any resolutions to break and, and shame myself. I don't need that. But I will plan 2020, and I will try to make the main thing the main thing which is to cultivate the heart. Let's pray. Lord, as we read this text, will you take our hearts and will you take our paths and will the Spirit help us trust you to do these things? We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Let's stand and sing this song together. Um, seal up our hearts with God's truth this morning. Take all of this with us. Uh, let him be the one who shapes and forms us and guides our paths. Amen.